All right, good morning. Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Well, great to be here with you. Um, just had a quick question for you. Do you love Jesus? Yes? All right, praise the Lord. This is what Spurgeon says about people that love Jesus. He says, the man who is aglow with love to Jesus uh, finds a little need for amusement. He has no time for trifling. He's in dead earnest to save souls and establish the truth and enlarge the kingdom of his Lord. And so literally he's pointing out the fact that if you are a man or a woman that loves Christ, that you have no real time for just trivial things that are earthly, right? You're not consumed with things that don't impact eternity. Your focus and commitment is on Jesus's kingdom work. And that's how it ought to be, amen? But if we are honest with ourselves, then this is a struggle. Right? I mean, I struggle with it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever catch yourself maybe caring too much about something that really doesn't matter that much. But that happens all the time. My Facebook is filled with all of this kind of stuff, right? For example, I had a friend, I won't share who he is, but he's kind of an older male, but he went to a Justin Bieber concert. And I'm going to paraphrase kind of what he wrote, but he literally said something to the degree of, I went to a Justin Bieber concert, it changed my life. I will never be the same. He wrote something to that degree. And that's just caring way too much about something that really doesn't matter, right? And we do this all the time. I remember, uh, you know, if you ever watch Walking Dead, there was a Korean actor, Stephen Young, and he gets killed off in the show. On my Facebook, it was literally as if, like, someone really, really had died. Because, I mean, uh, we were joking around, but one of, uh, you know, my brother-in-law was sharing. His good buddy had wrote, wrote, like, on his Facebook, I'm taking a day off from work because a close family member died. (laughs) And see, that's the thing, is I think sometimes, living on this earth, we just kind of get distracted. And it's not bad to care about your finances or entertainment or vacation or even just family and just kind of having some fun. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it overly consumes you to the point where you miss the kingdom task at hand, then you got to really search your heart. You know, this morning, we're going to look at a very familiar passage if you've grown up in the church. And I'm just going to draw out kind of four things for us so that we can walk away with a more focused and more committed uh, heart and mind and life to God's kingdom work. You guys with me? All right. So let's go quickly through this. The first thing we see in this passage that we learn from Christ that we should be emulating and putting into our lives is to see people through the eyes of Jesus. If you look at verse 35, it says this. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So he's doing ministry. And then it says in verse 36, when he saw the crowds. And you see, he notices something that the disciples don't. And isn't it interesting that two people can look at the same thing and not see the same thing? You know what I'm saying? I, w- I want to illustrate this a little bit. I want you to take a look at this video, all right? It's a magic kind of street performer. So take a look, and I want you to notice some things, because maybe you won't see the same thing as the person next to you. Take a look. Take a look. 
Yeah. Here's Mark. Mark, I'll tell you what, place your hand up for me nice and flat. Now I promise this won't hurt, all right? So here's the idea. Let's just light this up. And if you close onto that nice and tight, here we go. Watch this. Keep watching. I don't know if you felt that or not. I'll tell you what, have a look inside. Open it up. See how the match has actually returned into the book and it's still burnt. Okay, you're not impressed. All right, it was my first trick ever. But here's the idea. Just place that back in your hand, close it tight, and turn it face down again if you can. Now we're going to use one more thing, and we're going to use a magician's best friend, playing cards. Now the idea is really simple. You're going to choose one. So take any one you like. Perfect. Have a look for yourself, and do me a favor, show the camera as well if you can. Brilliant. And you know what? Place it back face up on the deck. Now, it doesn't matter if I see what the card is, because we're going to do something completely different. Just watch this. Here we go. Follow it slowly. Watch the king. I don't know if you felt that or not. Tell you what, have a look inside. Open it up. Oh. Check it out. It's the uh, king of diamonds. It's my card. Brilliant. Thank you very much. This is not a video about a magic show. You know what this is about? It's about an attentional blindness. I don't know if you noticed, there were three things that changed in this video. Did you notice it? Actually, the musician, if you watched from the beginning, he actually had a red handkerchief. But in the middle of it, all of a sudden, it changes to a green one. Did you pick it up? Oh, some of you actually saw that. Did you also notice that he had actually had a collared shirt, but in the middle of it, it changed to just a regular white shirt? No? And then this is the craziest one. In the middle of it, his actual, the, the assistant actually changes. It's a different person that comes in. When I first saw this, I didn't notice any of them, right? It's called inattentional blindness. What it is, is based on what your mind considers to be valuable, you will notice. But if your mind makes a decision that that's not important, little changes to that, you won't notice it. So once again, I want you to, let's watch it once again. And I want you to pick up on those three changes. Go ahead. To help me out, here's Mark. Mark, I'll tell you what, place your hand up for me nice and flat. Now I promise this won't hurt, all right? So here's the idea. Let's just light this up. And if you close onto that nice and tight, here we go. Watch this. Keep watching. I don't know if you felt that or not. See it? I'll tell you what, have a look inside. Open it up. See how the match has actually returned into the book and it's still burnt. Okay, you're not impressed. All right, it was my first trick ever. But here's the idea. Just place that back in your hand, close it tight, and turn it face down again if you can. Now we're gonna use one more thing, and we're gonna use a magician's best friend, playing cards. Now the idea is really simple. You're gonna choose one. So take any one you like. Perfect. Have a look for yourself, and do me a favor, show the camera as well if you can. Brilliant, and you know what? Place it back face up on the deck. See now, it doesn't matter if I see what the card is, because we're going to do something completely different. Just watch and this. Then I want you to pay attention to this slowly. Watch the king. It's a completely different I don't know if you felt person. that or not. Tell you what, have a look inside. Open it up. Oh. Check it out. It's the, uh, it's the king of diamonds. It's my card. Brilliant. All right, let's get Thank you very much. Why am I sharing this? You notice things that you value. And you see, uh, if we're not careful, we will, only sing, we will only see things that adds value to our life. The only things that impact us. And then what ends up happening is you don't notice kind of the world around you, the brokenness and the need, because the value that you place in those things 
is not greater than the value you place on yourself. So you see, for Jesus, when he recognized and noticed people, he values them. And so for us, if we want to start our journey into trying to live a life that is for kingdom-mindedness, the first thing we need to do is to take our eyes off ourselves and to look around at the need around us. Amen? So that's the first one. Number two, it's a real simple one, but we see in verse 36 that he saw the crowds and then what? He had compassion for them. And so we are to have compassion for those that are around us. It's one thing to notice someone, but also to suffer with and then to walk with someone in that mess and pain, that's something else. And here, Jesus, in the Greek, it literally means to be moved in his bowels. It's to have a bowel movement. Because in biblical times, it literally, that was the core of a person. And so to have compassion, he literally was moved at the core of who he is. Why? Because they didn't have salvation. They were dying in a dark world. And I wonder if our heart and mind moves for those that are lost around us. Uh, you know, you might be saying, I'm not a compassionate person just in general, right? Like, I'm not a very empathetic person. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you, right? But it doesn't matter. This is a command for the church. If you read Colossians 3.12, this is what it says. Speaking to the church, in the new life that we have in Christ, we are to put off some things and then also put on what? As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, what? Put on compassion. You know what that means? That it's a, it's a choice of the will to say, look, I'm going to develop this by praying that God would develop this in my heart to really build this in me so that I would care for those that are around me, for those that need Christ. And so the second thing is to have compassion for those that are lost around us. You know, what's sad is that I believe that there are a lot of people in the world that don't know Christ. When they see the church, they associate the word condemnation rather than compassion. That I think what they sometimes experience is Christians judging them and condemning them rather than having compassion on them and their situation. And that needs to change. And I pray that you would pray to develop this in your heart. You know, I've shared this many times. I'm not a very emotional person. I don't cry a lot. And so I've been praying this prayer for a long period of my own life that God would develop this in my heart. And it's showing fruits. And because, I don't know if it's because I have kids and stuff, but, you know, I'm more open and moved through different things. You know, like I watch YouTube clips and sometimes, it, you know, I don't cry, but it moves me. Like almost cry, right? I could feel it. And... And the thing is, is it, I should be moved in the same way for these little, you know, video clips than when I see a person on the street that needs Christ. And so that is kind of our calling. That's the second part. The third thing is this, is to pray. One of the most important kingdom work we can do, we start with prayer. In verse 37 and 38, if you look, it says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So he's literally saying, look, there's a harvest. There's a potential there. I know there's a lot of people that need Christ, but in me, I'm the Lord. But the issue is we just need more workers. 
And isn't it frustrating when you go to a store and there aren't enough workers? Have you ever experienced that? That's a pet peeve of mine. I love Starbucks. You know why? Because it's so efficient. You know which Starbucks I don't like? The Target Starbucks. Have you ever been there? There's never enough workers. Have you experienced this? When I go to a normal Starbucks, I'm out of there in five minutes. When I go to Target Starbucks, I mean, there are times there's one worker. He or she's trying their very best, but they take your order and then they do this. Can you just wait? And then they go and they start making the drink and then you're like, oh my goodness. I kid you not, I was very tempted to send the email to the Starbucks like, corporate office to be like, hey, you got to work on the Target Starbucks, right? <laughs> and, and that's coffee. We're talking about God's kingdom here. And what Jesus is saying is literally like, look, it's just a shortage of workers. Man, the potential is there that people would get saved. You know, one of the cool things that I love about Japan is ever since the tsunami, there's a sensitivity to the reality of God. It shook their reality. And now the potential is amazing. You know, two trips ago when I led the team, there were three people baptized. Now you're like, well, whoop de doo we had like 30 people baptized. No, but in Japan, I want you to understand, three adults coming to Christ is amazing, but that's the potential if workers would just go. It's interesting, though. You know, Jesus could have been like, the harvest is plentiful, so go out into the world. But he doesn't say that. He says to pray, right? Have you ever wondered why? Why is that? Prayer is important, and it's the first step because it shapes our hearts. It readies us for the actual work. It develops the heart so that when we do it, we'll be in it for the long haul. Does that make sense? Jesus wanted his disciples to gain his heart, to align their hearts and their wills to his will, so that when he does send them out, they'll be ready. And see, we need to pray. This is what Soren Kierkegaard said. He said this, the function of prayer is not necessarily to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. I'm going to start asking, our, our, you know, all of you. You're like, man, I, I just never really had a heart for missions. I want you to start praying. And let me, let me tell you something. God will change your heart. Because in the prayer, God will meet you. And he'll share. And hopefully you'll get that, that flicker in your heart for the lost in the world. And so he asks his disciples to pray. So I encourage you to start praying. Even if you're considering one of the trips, pray. Even if you're not considering the trips, You want your kids to be mission-minded in their life? Start praying. That's where it begins. Lastly, and we see this, we are to be the workers in the Lord's harvest. Meaning, you literally are the answer to the prayer. Because in chapter 10, which is the next chapter, Jesus asks the disciples to pray, and then what does he do? He sends them out, right? They are the answer to the prayer. If you look at chapter 10, verse 1, he says this. He called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. See, God's strategy is that you and I would be the workers. The church would be the workers. This is why, you know, I'm sure Pastor Steve will share you the same thing. I mean, the reason why we started this church is that we would go 
and be his workers in the harvest. Not to just make a good name for Crossway, that doesn't matter in the long run. What matters is that the, the lost would hear the story of our amazing God, amen? And so we are to be the workers. I wanna just share two extra things. Let's say, okay, I wanna be workers. I wanna point out just kinda two things to help us. Because you might be like, yeah, you know, I just want to make sure that I know what I'm getting into. The first thing that you need to know about being a worker in the Lord's harvest is, number one, is that ministry is hard. God's work is difficult. Because I don't want you to have a fairy tale like, hey, I'm going to go to Japan. Sushi is great. I love it. Like, no, that's not, that's not why we do what we do. I want you to know going to ministry and going into missions and doing things for the Lord and being kingdom-minded, that that's not convenient, nor is it easy. That is actually really difficult. Uh, This is a picture of Jasper and Carolyn Bacon, and Pastor Steve has shared about them. Do we have that? They work in Mississippi. We do our basketball camp and math camp with them. We go there for one week. And I'm going to tell you right now, For one week, we do three hours in the morning basketball, three hours of math camp, and our team is exhausted. I mean, it's not the kids' faults, but I mean, they're they're having fun and they're kind of a little bit wilder there, and so they're kind of going crazy. Even this past summer, I walked into one of the math classrooms and one of the teachers just gave up. He was just like, and the kids were just running around like crazy. So I, was, I kind of pulled him out, and I was like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, I can't do it. <laughs> it's like, I, I just can't. It's just too much. I, I just. That's five days. Jasper and Carolyn have been doing this for years, every single day. The reason why I share this with you is because I want you to know the expectation is that God requires hard work. And we work hard for our jobs, we work hard for our children. In the same way, because it's so valuable, it does require hard work. You know, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about his ministry life and he says this in verse 27. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. This is ministry life, that's what he's sharing. To be a part of what God wants to do, sometimes it's difficult, it requires sacrifice, and it's inconvenient, and there'll be times where you're just stressed out. You know, it's, it's interesting, there are some people that come up to me, and no one at Irvine here, but there have been people, you know, especially youth kids, they'll come up and they say, Pastor John, what do you do during the week? Your life must be so easy as a pastor. And then, I'm, and then I gotta stop myself from saying certain things, and then, <laughs> and then, well, I say, well, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm blessed. Thank you. (laughs) But, you know, Pastor Steve will share with you candidly. If you talk to any missionary, they'll candidly share with you. It's not easy. There's daily stresses and pressures. And let me just tell you something. If you're waiting for your life to be, you know, convenient and let everything work out for you to start, it just doesn't happen. It's just inconvenient and ministry sometimes just wears you out. But you will never regret it. It's the most satisfying and fulfilling thing that you could ever be involved in. You might regret the hours that you put in at work. You will never regret the hours you put into loving people for God's kingdom. It's hard work, but it's worth it. The second thing I want to share, anyone can do it. 
You might be thinking, well, Pastor John, you don't know my life. I, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not there. I just, you, I just can't. I can't even help myself. How am I going to help someone else? You know, all throughout the Bible, you see people that God calls that, that they don't have their life together. But with Christ, it's possible for you to share about his love and his reality. I want to just share one verse uh, from Mark 8, I'm sorry, Mark 5, verse 18. In Mark 5, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. And this is what he, you know, the interaction he has with him after he heals him. He says this, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So you see what happened? Jesus healed him. He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus is like, no, just go home and just tell the story about me. And this is what happened. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You know why I love this story? Literally hours ago, this man was demon-possessed. Jesus heals them, and Jesus is like, go, just share my story. And I think sometimes there's a misconception that we need to have everything together and that life has to be perfect and I have to be the perfect disciple before I can go on missions and do all this stuff. And how can I talk about God? I, you know, my life is a mess. Jesus uses our mess. If we would just, just give him our hearts and our lives, he can use us. Can you just tell, tell that to the person next to you? Jesus can use you. Can you just say that real quick? That's too shy for me. Like, really proclaim it. Like, Jesus can use you. Can you do that? I mean, do you believe that? Yes? Amen? Let's try that again. Do you believe that? Amen? Jesus can use you. You're like, well, no, I have two young kids. No, Jesus can use you. Well, I did this stuff in my past. No, Jesus can use you. It's hard. But if Christ can use a demon-possessed man to proclaim in the city that all knew his story. And the thing is, is we are bought by the blood of Christ. And we have a story to tell. We have to share about the reality of a God that loves us, that loves the people around us, who died for us, who resurrected again. And now, we have new life. We are bearers of that good news. And so I, I pray that you would consider going on one of our trips. If you're like, well, a week is a little tough right now. Okay, fine. Then go on one of our 6-8 events. That's tough? Okay, just go to your work. Love on people around you. Your neighbors. Because what we're after is not for you to just go on one summer missions trip and then Oh, I checked the box. I'm good. No, it's a life adjustment where you would start to live life where you would have the eyes of Christ, to have the heart to care for people, to start praying for the lost, and then for you to go to the lost. I pray that through the grace of Christ and through his help, that we would be the workers in the Lord's harvest. Amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are so good to us. And uh, I know there are times where we do get distracted and there are times we care about things, maybe a lot more than we care about your kingdom. 
I just pray uh, that you would just remind us constantly to give us your eyes and your heart and for us to really go out and to share and to shine your light in a dark world. Move in us in that way. Stir our hearts. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. At this time, we'll have.